BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, it is the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn here for this podcast where we are talking to Maura Judkis. She is from the Washington Post. She is the food staff writer. Maura, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, we know, you know, on this podcast, we don't always talk politics. We talk about a lot of different things. Uh, first and foremost, let me just say, because we haven't seen you since you won a James Beard Award. Congratulations on your James Beard Award. What was it that you won for? Thank you very much. Um, I won for a story about pumpkin spice, of all things. All right. <laughs> I, I dig it. First of all, I just want to point out, I am not anti-pumpkin spice. Uh-huh. A lot of people are anti-pumpkin spice. I love pumpkin spice. In certain contexts, but you like you went off the deep end with a pumpkin spice. Oh yeah, I did like a week of nonstop pumpkin spice. It was like a full exploration of the pumpkin spice industrial complex. It was <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> it was really hard. What was the nastiest pumpkin spice thing you ate? Oh my god, it was this um, spray-on can of pumpkin spice flavoring. So you could make anything pumpkin spice flavored. It was like just a, it was like a can, like a hairspray can. And you could spray it no, into anything. That's a no for me. Yeah, it was terrible. It tasted like spraying an air freshener directly into your mouth. Oh, my God. That sounds horrible. <laughs> no, I don't want that. It was bad. I saw pumpkin spice hummus. Oh, I didn't try that. And I was like, no. I mean, it's only like a month away from when pumpkin spice is going to be in stores at this point. It comes earlier and earlier every year, like Christmas. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, congratulations to you on on that James Beard Award. I'm surprised you didn't like wear it like on a huge chain, like flavor flavor coming up with like I a James Beard I just wear it all the time. Yeah, it's totally. Huge. You totally should. Uh, but the, we the, we did not bring you in to talk about pumpkin spice and the dead of summer. Uh, we brought you on to talk about. Mr. Rogers, there is a new documentary uh, about Mr. Rogers uh, called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And you wrote about this from a position uh, of someone who actually knew Mr. Rogers. Your family knew Mr. Rogers. You grew up around Mr. Rogers. It, like Not the way that a lot of us grew up with Mr. Rogers. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> sure. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where Mr. Rogers lived and where the show was taped. And my dad is a freelance photographer, and one of his biggest clients over the course of about 25 years was Mr. Rogers. And so my dad took photos of him for other publications. Some of his photos have ended up in People or Time or different magazines. Um, and also... He took many of the photos from Mr. Rogers' books that he published over the years, all the books that he wrote for children about when a pet dies, going to the doctor, how to make friends, things like that. Um, my dad was the main photographer for all of those books. 
That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So you did you get to meet him when you were a kid? Oh yeah, definitely. I was on the show actually. Come on, were you really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Well, I was too young to really remember it because I think the only episode I appeared on was when I was about two years old. Okay. Um, I've seen video of it, of course. Sure. Um, and it's from it's from a, uh, this this segment with a very classic Mr. Rogers song called "Everybody's Fancy." Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine is the lyrics. I don't know that one, <laughs> but it sounds like it a banger. Yeah, I, yeah a I'm, banger. Totally on, I'm totally on board. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I was kind of just some B-roll, basically. Like, there, that was me playing in a park. Because um, the song is about um, it's about body positivity and, like, girls' bodies and boys' bodies. Um, and so I was the girl, and then someone else was the boy. Uh, so I just played around in a park. That's and they wild. took a video of me and used it on the show. That's so cool. So I... I did not watch Mr. Rogers when I was growing up. Okay. Uh, and and now that I'm older, I appreciate Mr. Rogers, but I always, I, I'm I'm not judgmental about him or anything like that. It's just not for me uh-huh. because I'm a person who judges people on their vices more than their virtues, uh-huh. and I just don't believe that someone is that squeaky clean. <laughs> I just don't believe it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people feel that way, too. And it's so funny because um, whenever I tell people that I knew Mr. Rogers, um, because, you know, also our family knew him. Mm-hmm. We'd spend time with him. We would go to, like, the company picnics and things. Um, you know, every time it comes up as, like, a fun fact about me that I knew Mr. Rogers, everyone always asks that question, like, was he really like that in real life? Because no one believes that a person could really be that good. That virtuous, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think that actually says more about all of us than fair. it says about Mr. Rogers. Totally fair. Yeah. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting because I, I saw an interview with the director of this documentary, and he was saying, like, the reason that he tackled this subject is not that he was, like, a huge uh, Mr. Rogers fan or anything like that, but he said that is a voice that you don't hear in today's culture anymore, mm-hmm. which... Which is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, just pure goodness and light and no negativity and all of Like, you just don't hear that anymore. Yeah. And it's also about teaching people to be civil. It's about teaching children to be civil to each other. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one of his biggest messages is that everyone deserves to be loved and that everyone has the capacity to love other people. And um, and that's certainly something we don't hear anymore. No. Yeah. And so teaching people to be civil is something that has really kind of disappeared with Mr. Rogers, it seems. What is it that you, in your opinion, what is it that made Mr. Rogers such a, I don't want to say cultural phenomenon because that's that that's sort of cliched, but like what do you, what is it that resonated with him? I mean, it's there was no real gimmick, there was no real shtick. It he's just a good human. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, that doesn't always sell. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. And they talk about in the documentary, too, about how this is, like, the most unlikely hit ever because it's It's a very quiet show. It's yeah. a very gentle show in in a steep contrast to all the other children's shows that were on at the time. And that was something that he was going for. You know, he saw other television shows where people were, like, throwing pies in each other's face or, like, hitting each other. And, and he felt that children needed something that was more, um, more soothing, more, um, like, temperamental, something that people could something that children could really learn from, but not in an overtly educational way. You know, it's not like um, it's not like a math show or a science show. It's right. more about just teaching people how to understand their feelings, which he thought was something that anyone of any age could understand, but it was important to, to start with children at a very young age. It's so interesting because we now have a culture where we are way, way more comfortable, even though we're not 
totally where we should be, but we're way, way more comfortable talking about feelings and emotions and things like that. But when this was around, that was definitely not the culture. Mm -hmm, it was sure. definitely not the culture. And I'm thinking of like the kids shows that, that I grew up with, whether it was the electric company or Sesame street or any of that stuff. It, it really is just like school when you're not at school. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're trying to force lessons upon you. Not that that, that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not trying to sound negative about it, but uh -huh. it was, it, it, it was sort of like eat your vegetables, right? Like take yeah. this. Mr. Rogers was just not that. Yeah. In a way he was kind of like an extra parent, I think in that he was a supportive presence. I think a lot of children, um, you know, people people send in their memories of Mr. Rogers all the time to the people who still work there. And I know that um, this happens in the documentary too, like people who encounter him at a later age who, you know, he, if he spoke at their graduation or spoke in public, they would come up to him and say, you were like a, a third parent to me. And so I think it was more kind of the soothing parental presence more so than, than teaching people an overt lesson. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I want to get on into a little bit. Uh, uh, you, you write in the piece as a quote from a, a former producer of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, quote: uh, Her name is uh, Margie Whitmer, who who gave this quote. Quote: There was an adult Fred, and there was Mr. Rogers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a whole lot of difference. And this sort of gets back to what we were saying. Like, was I mean, he's such a kind, gentle guy on air. This is who he was. Mm -hmm. There was never really any break in character, right? Yeah. I mean, well, so I only knew him when I was a child. Sure. So I really only knew um, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers. But, right, right, right. You know, I mean, the way he was on camera is very much the way he acted in real life. So, I mean, all the times that I met him or talked with him, I do remember that he, um, one thing that he would always do with children is whenever he spoke to a child, he would get down on their level so yeah. that he could look them directly in the eye and so that he wouldn't be this very tall, looming, kind of scary figure. That was my first parenting lesson, by the way, oh, with my yeah. kids. Yeah, you got to get down on their level. Yeah. And that was the one, that was the very first thing I learned about being a parent. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> um, who today carries on the legacy of of Fred Rogers? I mean, I think he's an incomparable figure. I, I actually wouldn't yeah. know who could do that. I, mean, I couldn't I think, think of anybody. Yeah, I think that I think that he would hope that we would all carry on the legacy of Mr. Rogers, but that's certainly not the case given the way things are going these days. Um, but I think that that would be that would be his goal is that that we should all carry it on in some way and carry on his ideas too. Do you think I know the answer to this question? But do you think that Mr. Rogers would be a hit today? You know, it's it's difficult to say because um, there there's so much distraction. There are so many other things happening. There are so many other forms of media too. You know, because one thing that he really wanted to harness the uh, the power of television, um, and television wasn't competing with as many other forms of media as it is now. Um, but you know, I think that there is one way um, in which we would have needed Mr. Rogers today, and in which he would have been a huge success is in in just advocating for children and their health and their well-being and I mean thinking about what's happening you know today in in on the border mm -hmm. like Mr. Rogers would not have stood for that he he was extremely knowledgeable about child psychology he would know everything about the trauma that's inflicted on kids happening um, and how that causes long-term emotional damage and and changes their brains and he would be I, I think very forcefully advocating um, for all of this to end. That's a, that, I mean, that's, I think that's a really, really good point. And I think you, 
I don't know. The celebrity culture thing just gets completely dismissed by a lot of people, right, uh, mm-hmm. p- politically, mm-hmm. right? But to have someone who is so uh, non-controversial, has never done anything controversial, has never, you know, like, I'm still waiting. I was hoping in the documentary we would find, like, all these people that, like, Mr. Rogers had a gambling debt to. <laughs> so many but we don't have that. that. We don't have that. <laughs> no. Well, so actually there have been rumors for, for decades that are maybe not even that long. Maybe they just started kind of with internet culture. But there have been rumors that have been long debunked that Mr. Rogers was, like, a sniper in Vietnam. And he, like, started this show to, oh my like, God. <laughs> to, like to, to make up for his sins and that he had, like, full body tattoos. <laughs> No one even knows where these came from. And, of course, they're not true. Right. Yeah. And actually, I mean, you know, I mean, I knew they weren't true because I had, like, seen his arms and he doesn't have a full sleeve tattoo. I would love to see (laughs) Mr. Rogers light up a cigarette, take off that sweater, and just cover it in tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Everyone thinks that that's why he always wore the sweaters. um, But that's really not true. Um, And actually, even in the documentary, so one thing that he did, he was very, very healthy. He was, like, very into fitness. um, And he would go swimming every morning. And in the documentary, there's footage of him swimming, and he's like in swim trunks, and he clearly does not have any no tattoos. tattoos. Yeah, no so tattoos. You can put that okay. rumor to rest forever. All right, yeah. no, no, like horrible scars he <laughs> no, got, you know, in a knife fight or anything like that. <laughs> but I mean, he's not—he's not a saint, you know. And I think that's, that's what one I want to get to next. Yeah, they wanted to talk about too. Is like he—he he grappled with all kinds of demons in his own life. There were—he was a person like, like anyone else. Like what? Um, well, see, he had a very lonely and difficult childhood, which I mm. think, I mean, people say is part of the reason he was so drawn to helping children. Um, he was, I guess he was very alone as a child, and he kind of lived in his own sort of internal world. And so it kind of helped him identify with children much more strongly as an adult than than perhaps other people. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Have you gone back and watched any of the old Mr. Rogers episodes recently? I have not, but I feel like I should. <laughs> yeah, not not recently. I haven't. Mm. Um, you know, I've watched some clips here and there, and of course, there are, there's tons of footage in the documentary, especially in some of his kind of iconic moments, like where he um, explains the Challenger disaster, where he explains oh, right. assassination. You know, that was something that people really God. leaned on Mr. Rogers to do was like explain these things that are so hard to convey to kids. Make Mr. Rogers do it, so I don't yeah, have to I talk to my kids. I don't want to have to talk to my kids. I'll, you go, go watch Fred Rogers; he'll tell you what's <laughs> going on. I don't want to. I don't want to have to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like we have become so uncivil. And I don't necessarily mean that in the most negative way, right? Like, I think that there is a time to be uncivil, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that we are living in a time where incivility is okay sometimes. Yeah. But it it just, for me, it would be so hard to imagine something like this coming along today and actually being not just financially successful, but to have an impact on, on people. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we've all grown much more cynical. I mean, the world has changed so much. Guilty. Since, yeah. I totally mean, guilty. The world has changed so dramatically since this show began, and um, and all of our worlds have expanded, too, in ways that I think maybe he, you know, I mean, it's not like the internet was around when Mr. Rogers first started. Right, so right, right. So things, ways that he couldn't have even anticipated. 
So yeah, yeah it, it would make it, I think, very difficult. But I think that, you know, if anyone would be up for the challenge, it would be him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating stuff. And uh, you go check out the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, all about Mr. Rogers. A lot of us feel like we know him because we grew up with him, but you actually did know him and you actually did grow up around Mr. Rogers. So yeah. uh, I think it's super cool. Maura Judkis uh, from the Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, everybody go check out the documentary if uh, if that is something that interests you. I, I, I do think that it would be a good thing to see in these times. It's very heartwarming. Yeah. People need it these days. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming in, more. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right.